Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. This week we're talking about the five big differences in giving birth during COVID-19. Katie's sharing her experience giving birth to Maeve during the pandemic and comparing it to giving birth to Freya and Finn before the pandemic. So this is a good episode to to prepare you for birth, whether this is your first time or you've done it before, you'll definitely take something away from this episode. If you have a friend or family member who's having a baby, please share this episode with them. If you're sharing it on social media, don't forget to tag us at Best Life Moms Club. I also want to mention that on our website, we have an entire library of free resources, including checklists and information from other episodes. So you can find that on our website, bestlifemomsclub.com, and it is entirely free and guaranteed to help you on your journey. With that, here's the episode. Now, this is a topic that I have some pretty recent lived experience with. Um, That's why we're doing it now, right? Well, it's still fresh in your memory. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Before the fog really takes over and time and space kind of remove some of those memories. This is something that is affecting so many women. And it really has like COVID has changed so much of society and like it has we've talked about like the changes that it has had on pregnancy and like we can talk more about it too at another time like there's just it is such an impactful thing like I don't know about you but I kind of feel like society and our lives will never go back to the way that our lives were before COVID because it's been so impactful and has changed so many different things there's going to be a new normal right? Like we will go back, but there will be things in place that weren't there previously. So will we start to socialize again? Of course, we're going to start to socialize again. But like when we socialize again, like there might be things that are different. Like, for example, I don't think the hand washing thing is going to go away, right? Like not that we didn't wash our hands, but like I think we've learned even more about the importance of hand washing, for example. So I think that is probably here to stay. The other thing, like being in Canada, wearing a mask during the winter, during flu, cold and flu season, I think you're going to start to see people when we go out in public in the wintertime, you'll wear a mask out to the grocery store, to other public places, because that will cut down on people catching cold and flu viruses. That's an interesting idea. I hadn't even thought of that. 
because this year, like, because we're not socializing and because everyone's wearing a mask, it's all, it's gone down. The cases have gone down. A and flu. that's why. A flu. Yes, a flu. Yeah. Well, and, and so, like, for me, I went through my entire pregnancy in the pandemic. So I was part of the, I was the second month kind of cohort, you can say, of women who went from conception to delivery in the pandemic. So it's, and it has, it has drastically changed. Like even just being pregnant in a pandemic was very different than um, being pregnant prior to COVID. Um, which is another topic in, in its, in and of itself. But there are definitely some like glaring differences and, and they're definitely, um, like maybe overarching and, and it might be a little different too for some listeners, depending on where you are and, and what the restrictions are, right? Like individual locations and states and provinces and countries have different restrictions in place and different rules, right? So there are some, there will be some differences between people's experiences. Um, but I think- Even different hospitals, even different hospitals. Like if you, from one hospital in a city in the United States, for example, to one across town, you're going to have different rules and regulations in place. Yeah, absolutely. And, but there are still things that are kind of general to people's experiences that have changed yeah so that's why we're talking about this episode because first-time moms need to know that what you're experiencing is different than what previous first-time moms experienced and I think even mothers who are having their second or third baby need to go and prepare that this experience is going to be different than your previous baby or babies right yeah, and, and that some people, as try as they might, they if they had their babies prior to COVID, um, they might not understand the struggles that you're going through. They can try, but they haven't lived that experience because it is very different. So, you know, when you're trying to vocalize struggles that maybe weren't there prior or you're something that you're struggling with, um, some people might just might not understand or get the impact, the full impact of what you're going through because it is very different in a lot of ways of have, being pregnant and having a baby during a pandemic. Absolutely, they are. So what's the first one that you have on your list then? So I, I think why not like get the kind of more obvious ones out of the way, which would be like restrictions for labor and delivery. So obviously like a big one and one that people have a big fear about or a big question about is wearing a mask. Will they have to wear a mask while they're in labor? Will they have to wear a mask during delivery and while they're pushing? Um, for me, I had to wear a mask during labor, delivery, pushing. Like I wore a mask the entire time um, because that was what the policy was. There are some hospitals, you know, where you have to do it while you're laboring, but you can take it off during pushing. Like you said, Amanda, that you know, every hospital will be different. Every location could be different. But generally, the question about labor and delivery, will you have to wear a mask? That is a big difference that a lot of women are experiencing that they do have to wear a mask during labor and delivery. And that's a good question to ask your OB ahead of time, because they'll know what the policy is at that hospital. But you also have to know that it could change, right? It could 
change where masks suddenly become mandatory for the whole process, even if it's mandatory right now for, you know, just the laboring or, you know, once things start to get better, like you, they'll get rid of the masks eventually. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like they could make it so that, you know, only staff are wearing them and the laboring mm-hmm. and like the support person is wearing them, but the laboring mother doesn't have to wear them everything can change. And a lot of things change very quickly during uh, COVID, like with regards to restrictions and rules that are in place uh, and policies. That is a really good question to ask your OB and you can absolutely ask it every appointment. And that's one thing that I did with all of my appointments was like, okay, so what's new at the hospital? What's happening new at the hospital with restrictions, with rules and with cases. And he would fill me in on what we were have to do. And actually what did happen like through my pregnancy and seeing my OB between seeing my OB throughout my pregnancy and then having Maeve, you know, our, it did change. A lot of policies did change. So that was one thing. So how did you feel about wearing a mask? Like, how did it make you feel? I know it's going to make everyone feel different, but how did it make you feel? I wasn't so stressed about it. I was like, okay, it is what it is. I wasn't going to fight it. And there were times I will say that I, I didn't have any problems breathing. Like I, I, I knew that I could breathe. I didn't have problems breathing through the mask. There were times where I was just like, this is so annoying on my face. Like when I was not, when I was pushing, when I was pushing, I was fine. It was when I was laboring once I had gotten to the hospital. And so there was a couple of times where I would just like kind of pull it down because I was just like, it's just annoying. It was just you know, I was in the height of a, con- a contraction and, and it was just an irritant. And then I would pop it back up and I would be fine. Like once it was done, I didn't do it with every contraction. It was just sometimes it was just like, Oh, I just can't stand this. So it was an annoyance at times. Um, well, and if you and Peter were the only two in the room, which well, during we, when you're laboring, you could possibly be. Yeah, we weren't like our nurse was there um, just because I was progressing. So I was going so quickly and because they were trying to get stuff set up so quickly for for the delivery. So like there was a lot of paperwork. So we were never alone during it. It wasn't like we had extended time by ourselves. So, you know, we did have to have a mask on the whole time because there was a nurse with us because things were going so quick and they were trying to get everything done before I had the baby. So we, we, we were supposed to, but you're right. Like if you're, you know, having a longer labor, you're there early and you're the only ones, then, you know, absolutely ask your nurse to say like, can I take my mask off? So like the mask wearing is a big one and a very glaringly obvious one. Another one too, with regards to leave restrictions for labor and delivery was like our mobility. Once we were admitted, like, and we were put into our laboring, like labor and delivery room, we were not allowed to leave. So the idea of like, if I had either the time or the inclination of I want to walk the halls, or if I needed to walk the halls, you know, like so many women do, that's not an option at our hospital at this point in time. Like you said, like things will change and every hospital will be different. But for for me, uh, and I knew this going in to labor and delivery, like my doctor had said, you know, like, it's kind of like jail once you're in you're in you don't leave Um, there's no movement between hallways rooms like nothing like that Um, so that was a difference because with Frey and Finn pre-COVID times 
you know, if I had wanted to, I could have been walking the halls to progress my labor. There was no restriction because of the environment um, as to like whether or not I could leave the room. And obviously there was restriction with me because of monitors and everything, but that's, you know, different. That was the situation. But, you know, it was very common to see women walking through the halls to labor, help them progress their labor. So mobility was a very different piece for it. It was that we were, we were stuck in our room. And then that was also the case with postpartum maternity. Once we moved from labor and delivery, we were, you know, once you were in your room, you were in your room. Like you did not leave to go get water. The nurses had to get that for you. Like you just were not allowed to leave your room. You couldn't have food delivery, like anything like that. So restrictions on, on labor and delivery. And then also with that restriction was how many support people you could have. In our hospital, for me, um, in the summer, you could have one support person at a time, but you could have two support people, but they couldn't be in the room at the same time. So you could have one person out in the parking lot and then your support person, they could exchange. Two people could be in the delivery room with you, but they had to be one at a time so they had to trade out and then in around October November that idea of having to support people trade off being in the delivery room changed to you could only have one person in with you and once they were in they could not leave so I knew that going in to it so you know in prior deliveries with Frey and Finn my mom and Peter were my support people they were there and so this time obviously like we I having my mom there wasn't an option in in any way, shape or form. So we knew going in, it was just going to be Peter there. And then, but there are some hospitals where women are giving birth alone or support people are only allowed to be there for like the first three hours after a delivery. And then they have to leave. Like every hospital has a different policy and, but definitely in every way, shape, or form, the idea of the amount of support that you have during labor delivery has changed. Um, Whether it's only one person or two people trading out or for those very unlucky women, if they're doing it by themselves, all of those have been a reality um, throughout the world. So that's definitely a very big change. Yeah. And that's just one of those pandemic things, right? Like, as you said, pre-pandemic, it wasn't like that. And then eventually again, hopefully it won't be like that. But while the pandemic's going, unfortunately, depending where you are, it's just something that's been happening to keep everyone safe. Yeah. And obviously like the restrictions for labor and delivery, that's for people like for a hospital birth. Like obviously if you're having, if people are having a home birth there, these wouldn't apply. So the next kind of category I would say kind of connects to the support person is like the support in recovery from the hospital. So, and having people come and see you at the hospital to celebrate the birth of your baby, none of that exists. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, there's no in and out, at least at our hospital, like you can't have visitors. Like I said, like once your support person, you and your support person are kind of locked in jail in your room, but like, in recovery, having extra hands to support you. That's not in the hospital. Like that's not the case. When your sister came and stayed with you after the boys were born and Keith went home to sleep, that would not have happened. 
because, you know, having support in the hospital to help you recover was not also is was not an option for us. So that's a hard, a hard thing that's come in and changed very much. And, you know, just like having people come to the hospital and bring you flowers or a balloon or, or food, those things right now are, are not an option. Because with both births, my parents, my parents brought me food because the hospital food sucks, at least at our <laughs> hospital. It still does. They brought me food. And when the boys were born, because by the time I made it to my room, it was like 730 at night, the kitchen was closed. So my parents had to go get me food. <laughs> Right. Like, and like after Freya was born, my mom and dad were there with us. My, obviously my mom was in the delivery room with us. My dad was out in the waiting room and then my brother and his wife came and like, we all hung out and had like celebratory McDonald's as my, as our first, like my first meal that they went out and got because all I wanted was a McDonald's, a Big Mac. But yeah, like they came to see and then things that can't happen now yeah. right? and then like yeah. and then a few days later um our peter's mom and dad came to see freya in the nursery because we were still there and then like his sister and uh, husband came the first day as well in the evening to come and see her and like that that can't happen now so you know having people come to the hospital to meet the baby and celebrate the arrival it's that has drastically changed if not completely disappeared and it's okay to kind of mourn the loss that that can't happen for you if that's something you were really looking forward to. Because I know for me, that would have been something that would have disappointed me because, well, especially since I was having a C-section, but, you know, it's kind of like, you're right. It's a celebration. You get to introduce your baby to your family and now you can't do that. Well, you can, but you can do it after the fact or right now like I met Maeve through the the glass door at your house right yeah and like well and that leads to another one is like even when you're home how people meet meet your new baby I feel like having friends and family come to the hospital was almost like a rite of passage for parenthood like this presentation of like coming in the moment and there's excitement and there's this level of pride and And like, I was able to do that with Freya and yes, many women don't want to deal with people after the fact, because they're like, I just pushed out a baby. I don't want to deal with you. Like I'm bleeding. I'm in pain, like all that stuff. I'm exhausted, but there is that level of of excitement. Like, oh my God, I want to share our new baby with the people who are most important to us. Um, And yes, I was able to do that with Freya. Did we do it with Finn? Kind of, sort of, not really. His was a more unique situation. It was a yeah, birth. You know, parents came once we were at, at the second hospital to see him um, because they just needed to know that he was alive. And um, so, like, they did kind of see, but there wasn't that celebration. It was that anxiety and that stress associated with it. And, like, that's where you met Finn, too. You came and you came to the NICU with this massive care package for me and you came into the NICU and you were able to see him in his isolate. And so like, that's how you met Finn the first time you met Maeve, like you said, through, through the door, the front door of our house, like you were outside and we were inside and you were one of three people who have met Maeve 
beyond our parents. No one else Which is has, just crazy. Yeah. No right? one she's has, a, she's a month old. Yeah. And like, that breaks my heart that like, that will make me cry. Just think if I think too much, like right now, I'm, I'm going to cry because it's just so upset. Now I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, it's just, it makes, it breaks my heart that, that it, this is the case is that our friends and family haven't been able to meet me at all. Um, like my aunts and my, my, my Nana haven't met her and, and like the aunts, the people that I named her after haven't been able to meet her. And that, that breaks my heart. And I don't know when they will be able to meet her. Like it blows my mind that I could, you know, she could be potentially six or eight months before somebody, before they get to meet her. Um, and that breaks my heart. And I know I'm not alone. Like this is a very common experience for a lot of couples and moms with new babies during this pandemic is like meeting family or friends through a window. It's heartbreaking. Well, and you're right. Cause like, when will they, they meet the baby? Like, cause the baby could be a lot older. And it's funny that you mentioned that. Cause I was thinking the other day that my kids haven't seen their cousin since this last year and Adelaide would have been a baby then and next time they see her like she's walking and stuff they'll be able to play with her and I don't even know when the next time they'll see her is but like babies grow so quickly Mm -hmm. right that you're right you bring home a newborn when do people get to meet your baby yeah yeah and like and like obviously like we've done zoom calls and but it's it's not the same it's, it's just no. not, it's not the same. Like you can see them. Yes. And you know, you talk and everything, but like to have that tangible baby and have them meet, you know, the people who you love or care about the most. And it's, it's important for them to meet your baby. And, and that has been taken away. And that one is probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest pill that I've had to swallow. And I still struggle with because I'll clearly like, as I was <laughs> fighting back crying um if I think about it too much and I it it breaks my heart I'm gonna cry again because I'm going back to it and like so many other people too like you know the celebration of having a baby shower that's been taken away for a lot of women people are doing drive-by baby showers or zoom baby showers and it's just not the same I have I have a, a zoom baby shower next Saturday like that I'm attending um, for a first time mom. And yeah, like her experience is completely different. And like, I was lucky that I had a a baby shower with Freya. And, you know, I I know that joy of that celebration of that community. So another very big difference, and I actually thought about this, and I've talked to it, like my, I've talked to a couple people about it is that you know, your access as a parent to community resources is vastly different. And your experience with community resources is vastly different. For me, one of the biggest things that I that was glaringly noticeable was access to a lactation consultant. And I had said, I had said to you, and I, I said to both my parents and Peter, I said, like, I am so lucky that Maeve was able to nurse so well and successfully and really without any struggles, but also that I am an experienced mom in the sense that I breastfed both Bray and Finn and they had massive struggles. 
for various reasons, like with their prematurity and interventions and everything. I really struggled and I've kind of faced a ton of different experiences and struggles with and challenges with breastfeeding. And thankfully, I was able to access community support and like lactation support to help me kind of learn and then overcome because, you know, as a first time mom, and if you're going to try and breastfeed, like you and your baby are learning how to breastfeed and it is hard. Yes, it's natural and it, you know, it's, it's natural, but it doesn't mean it's easy. It's friggin' hard. And to do that for a first time and trying to learn that by yourself and not being able to have a lactation consultant, I can't imagine how hard that would be. We actually have in our mommy mentorship program, an excellent lactation consultant who does, who has done amazing videos for us to help our new moms with their, um, with their breastfeeding. And then she does do online. So if the mom needs additional support or one-on-one support, like she will go online and help you out. And she's absolutely amazing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Another piece too, in our province of Ontario, hearing assessment. So like the newborn hearing assessment is normally done in hospital within the first 24 hours usually where an outside agency comes into the hospital and at some point they come in and they test your baby's hearing, right? You get a pass or fail. Um, That doesn't happen right now in Ontario. They're not happening in hospitals. You have to go for that assessment. You have to book it yourself and then you have to go to a clinic on your own time, um, which is a challenge to even get out of the house (laughs) with a newborn you know, that we've talked about, like how stressful it can be to manipulate, you know, your schedule and like feeding and trying to figure that out. And then timing is just, you know, it's, it's hard getting yourself out of the house. So that's changed even access to mental health support. So in our hospital, we have access to social workers and psychologists who come in and check on you to see, do you have support at home? Do you have any concerns? How are you feeling? You know, those people would come in and check on you in the hospital. That doesn't happen now. The only people that come and see you are your nurses and your doctor, at least for my experience in our hospital. You know, those mental health supports are still available, but they're online. They're not coming to see you. And uh, I think that's a really big piece because for a lot of people who, and this is more generalized too, like if you're struggling, you might not be take that initiative to make contact with someone. You might be more likely to have some, if someone was to come to you and then initiate it, then, you know, you might be a little bit more open for some people. So those accesses to those community resources, even like the follow-up doctor's appointments that you have either for your baby or for yourself. Yeah. You told me that yours is going to be online. Yeah. So um, my, I don't even think it's online. I think it's a phone call. So I won't even get to CROB. I, I, it's a phone call. And so like I have my six week postpartum appointment coming up within the next week and it will be over the phone. Yeah. That's just crazy. Yeah. And so like, you know, doctor's appointments are over the phone. Um, Maeve's pediatrician appointments, you know, we go, we sit in the car and then we get a phone call saying, are you here? Yes, you are. Okay. Um, Do you want like, you go through the screening questions and then you go in. And then even 
those appointments are drastically different. They're very cold. They're to the business, you know, don't touch the baby unless you have to like as much distance, like the doctor's appointments are very different, even if they're in person. So access to community resources is very different as well for moms. So on to like kind of the next thing that has changed as well is birth plans. There's just so many things that have changed with birth plans. And I kind of touched on it in the sense of like earlier with how many support people we could have potentially had. And I will say like our birth plan changed throughout my pregnancy. Both you and I always say that the best kind of uh, birth plan is to not have one and just like have it written down as like be flexible, (laughs) Um, have a healthy baby, healthy mom. Um, like it's okay to have our, you know, what you would like and what you're open yeah. to, but, you know, be aware of that things change and you might have to adjust your expectations. This is what the birth plan is. This is who I'd like with me. Uh, you know, yes, I would like an epidural, things like that, right? Or, kind of or, the... Yeah. Or like, I would like to walk around while I labor. I would yeah. like try this position. I would, you know. But uh, be flexible. Yeah, to be flexible. So we've talked about that a lot. But so like the big part of like my birth plan, you know, was originally was like, do, am I going to be able to have two, my mom and Peter there? Then it was changed to, okay, they could be turning over, you know, they could be exchanging each other and turning time off. And then, then it was just Peter. But that also kind of, for me, just based on my experience, you know, prior, like I was sitting at a 50, 50 chance of whether or not I would go full term or if I would have a preemie again. Um, so my odds were, you know, 50, 50. And on top of that, there with Finn's birth, there was a lot of questions of, well, not just with Finn's birth, but um, like with preemies, our plan is always like, okay, if once the baby's born, Peter goes with the baby. When the baby's taken away and goes to the nursery or goes to the NICU, then Peter follows the baby. And then my mom stays with me so that, both the baby and I have someone with us at all times. That was our plan with Freya. That was our plan with Finn. And obviously Finn's changed a little bit, but my mom was there. So going into this birth, sitting at a 50-50 chance of having a preemie again was like, what are we going to do if something happens and it's just Peter there? Like, who do you pick? And so our birth plan changed from having my mom stay with me like she always does and Peter go with the baby to, okay, like Peter and I talked about it. And I was like, you go with the baby. Like, I'll be fine. You know, I'll have nurses with me. So that was kind of our birth plan. Birth plans have been had to change for a lot, a lot of people, including myself. That's something that is very different than before. So the last one that I kind of came up with that's very different and we've touched on it a little bit too earlier with about the support, but it's the isolation. So the isolation, once you get home, so that postpartum isolation, there's always isolation and a little bit of a lonely feeling Mm -hmm. when you have a newborn baby, because, you know, you're, you're feeding every three hours. It's harder to get out. You're tired. You don't even feel like getting out half the time. So there is, there is isolation, but this is different. This is really different because, um, so like there's that, but then even if you were to go out, there is nowhere to go. 
Like if you're like, I just need to get out of the house, which is fine. Like absolutely do it. But if you, you know, like there's nowhere to go. And right now we're in winter and it's cold. It's been so cold lately. One thing that I had done previously during the winter with both Frey and Finn was like, it's, it's too cold to go for a walk outside, but I need to get out of the house. I'm going to go to the mall and just walk around the mall. I'm not going to go shopping. I'm just going to walk and like window mm-hmm. shop. That's not an option. <laughs> because, you know, for, for us, it's not an option because of the restrictions. And obviously, like depending on your location and the restrictions that, you know, your area has in place, it might still be an option for you. But for me, And for us right now, that's not an option. The idea of going to the mall and window shopping, not an option. And then also, you know, that begs the question of like, do I really want to go do that? Going to the mall and just walking around, getting a tea, and then, you know, walking around was something that we uh, was very common. And I used to do it with Freya when I was like, it was too cold and she had a lot of energy. We would go and I'd let her walk through the mall just to burn some energy (laughs) and, uh, get somewhere new and that wasn't that's not the case so like even if I was to go somewhere there's nowhere to go and then the isolation on top of it is like the no visitors there's no visitors coming to see you at the hospital but now there are no visitors coming to see you at home there's no visitors coming to help do my laundry or you know let me have a nap without Maeve beside me there like there is no one there's no one to talk to that postpartum isolation and the fourth trimester isolation or just like generally the first year of isolation of becoming a new parent with a baby. It's a really strange thing because like you have this feeling of isolation and being alone when you're never actually alone, right? Because you have this baby with you constantly, but so like you're, you're not physically alone. Like, you know, your baby's here. I have Peter, I have Frey and Finn, like I'm never alone. But am I struggling with feeling isolated and alone and lonely? Yeah, I really am. And to the point where last weekend, I had a bit of like, I kind of hit this bump where I just kind of broke down and Peter was just like, what is wrong? And I had been trying to keep it all inside of how I was feeling. And I just kind of let it out. And I I instantly felt better when I told him how I was struggling but I was trying to keep it together and I was really struggling. And, and that day was, I had a really hard day and I was just off and he finally was able to see the cracks that I had been trying to hide. And, and I just said like, I'm so lonely. And he, and I said like, it's not a slight against you because like you're here and you're, you know, you're, you're here, you're helping, you know, you're, you're a co-parent, you're helping in every way but I'm lonely. Like I miss having seeing friends and I miss having people come over and, you know, there's just, I miss people. Well, when we had both Frey and the boys and Caroline and Finn every, every Wednesday, at least with Caroline and Finn was random days with the other kids. We would see each other at least once a week. Yeah. At least once a week we would see each other. It's not the case and it's not the option for us right now. And I'm really struggling with it. And do I talk to people every day on text? Yes, I talk to people. I text people. I text, I text you. I, you know, like I talk to people. It's not the same. It's not the same. And do I do Zoom calls with people? Yes, I do. It's still not the same. I miss having people around. And so like the isolation of coming home 
and not having visitors and not having people to come my, you know, my community to come and help me, which I've been lucky enough to have in the past. That, that's, it's a hard experience and it's, it's, it's changed. And like, I will never take for granted a hug, you know, like, have you thought about that? Like the power of a hug? Yeah. Like something as simple as a hug, you know, just to like let someone know that you're there and like a new mom needs that contact and a new mom needs that support and and that's been taken away so that is a a glaring difference and a a really hard struggle and I know the isolation and being home and not seeing people and seeing friends is something that everybody is struggling with during this pandemic it's not just for first-time moms but there's an added burden to first-time not even first-time moms there's an added burden to moms for not having their friends and family around and then on top of it it's not just you know moms with new babies it's moms with kids right because Mm -hmm. those those moms who are home and who are juggling work and taking care of kids like like everybody is struggling I know that but there is a massive difference and a massive challenge to the isolation experience of becoming a mom having a newborn and being in postpartum like post your postpartum period compared to pre-COVID times. Well, and just a reminder that if you are struggling with something, that it is okay to go and talk to a therapist or a counselor or someone who can help you process your feelings, right? Because in the postpartum period, there are lots of feelings and I think this pandemic has made everyone's feelings in general be put on steroids, right? So like if you're already feeling one way, like it's just magnifying it. And there is a mental health crisis on right now. Like people are struggling. Everyone's struggling in different ways. But when you're bringing home a baby and you're going through the fourth trimester and there's all these hormones and you're not getting sleep and you know sometimes you get the baby blues or postpartum depression like it is hard and you will get through it but it is okay if you need to seek help from a professional like there is never any shame in that and you need to find the support it might not be the the same support that you would have got before COVID because, you know, even talking to a therapist, they're all doing it online, but you can still get the support, right? And someone to help you through this. And you need to know that this is not going to last forever. You know, they have a vaccine, they're vaccinating people around the world. So, you know, we just have to get through the next little bit and, hopefully come out of all this with the kind of the new normal. Thank you for listening to this episode of that pregnancy podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at best life moms club until next time.